0: NASCAR weekend preview. Today we're previewing Texas Motor Speedway and Southern National Motorsports Park. Joining me for tonight's show is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. I'm hoping that I get to be here for the entire show with no interruptions. I have a new phone, but trying to get everything uploaded and squared away. Hopefully it doesn't reset to reset the upload. So we'll have to see, but if not, I should be able to call right back in.
0: Okay. Uh, That sounds really good. Uh, And uh, I'll go over the uh, preview for tonight. What we're going to do is first we'll preview the ARCA East race at Southern National Motorsports Park this weekend. This is going to be their fifth race. It's, a, it's the first race of the second half of their season, so uh, four more races left for the Arca East before they determine their uh, series champion. The other thing that's cool about this race is that it is the last standalone race for the Arca East. All of their other races are going to be combined events with the Arkham and Arts Series, so that's kind of an
1: interesting point to that. That certainly adds a twist to their schedule. I know they had several that they were going to combine with, uh, but to have that many. But, again, they say they got their own point system, so that will keep that separate. You may not see the wins from some of these drivers, but it's still going to show you who uh, was up front as well as make those drivers that much better.
0: Absolutely. Uh, at 840, our guest, Andreas uh, Perez de Lara, is going to be coming on board he is actually the mexico truck series champions for last year and this year he's racing the u.s legends series and uh i'm looking forward to talking with him he's with rev racing and part of the nascar driver diversity program so uh definitely looking forward to that interview
1: Certainly another great driver in the uh, Rev Racing Driver Development Program, another one coming from Mexico, this case out of the karting series. Uh, super interested to talk to him.
0: Okay. At the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, we'll start with our preview of the races at Texas, which includes the truck series. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, as well as the Cup Series. But now, keep in mind, the Cup Series is a non-point-paying, point-paying race this weekend. They're doing the uh, Cup Open as well as the All-Star Race, so that should be a lot of
1: fun. Yeah, certainly a big weekend at Texas. You got the doubleheader for the Xfinity and Truck Series, and then the All-Star Race for the first time ever as well as then uh, Eddie Gossage's finally uh, event there as uh, president and track promoter.
0: Well, that is true. Uh, at the top of the next hour, which is 10 o'clock P.M. Eastern Time, our Fan for Racing crew will get into the Hot Topic Sound Off, uh, all about, uh, our discussions on the Hot Topics of this week. So, uh, that should be fun. I know, uh, Mike can't make it, so I do have Tommy joining us for tonight.
1: Well, I guess I got to have Mike with me for a little bit in the past couple of weeks, so got that all out of my system. It would be fun to have Tommy back on. I always enjoy when Tommy gets the opportunity to come on, so I look forward to that. I know we got some great hot topics.
0: We do indeed. Uh, We're going to have to get into our preview of the uh, race at Southern. It's the Southern National 200 presented by Solid Rock Carriers at Southern National Motorsports Park in La Cama, North Carolina. The race is this Saturday, June the 12th, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and fans will be able to follow along on Track Pass, on NBC Sports Goals, as well as the radio program at ARCARacing.com. Now, this is a half-mile paved oval. They'll be racing 200 laps to cover a distance of 100 miles. So uh, a lot to look forward to here. As we mentioned, this is the fifth race of the season for these guys, and uh, there's a lot on the line.
1: There is a Saturday's uh, Southern National 200 presented by Solid Rock Carriers at Southern National Motorsports Park is all about first and last. I'm sorry, is that where you were?
0: Um, Yeah, I kind of already covered some of that.
1: All right, halfway through the season here with a pair of wins and a top-five finish in each of the first four races, you got Joe Gibbs racing driver Sammy Smith leading the Arkham Menards Series East Championship standings by a healthy 22 points over second-place Mason Diaz. Now, if Diaz or anybody else is going to close on Smith in the title race, and if any of the top two, top seven drivers in points are to fight their way to a better standing by season's end, uh, Saturday's race at Southern National is very crucial. And that's, as Sharon mentioned, it's the last standalone East race of the season. So it's the last time the series regulars will be able to race each other without that additional competition from the Arkham Menards main series drivers.
0: For example, Arkham and Art Series regular Ty Gibbs entered the East Series race at Dover last month and led 125 laps. Gibbs, and, Art series point leader, uh, Gibbs and the Arkham and Art Series points leader, points leader Corey Thyme and others will beheadle the East regulars when the series closes its season at Iowa Speedway on July 24th. The Milwaukee Mile, August 29th and Bristol Motor Speedway on September 16th. So Saturday's race at a Southern National is an opportunity for the East Series regulars who have not yet won this year. So there's a few drivers in that category. Uh, and uh, I know Mason Disa, Diaz is one of those guys.
1: Uh, he's certainly itching for a victory. Given how long he has run and how strong he has run in 2021, he has three top-five finishes in four races, including runner-up efforts at Five Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola, Florida, and then Tennessee's National Fairground Speedway.
0: There's also Joey East, who sits fourth in the East Series points. He's the only driver other than Smith and Diaz, who has a top five finish in at least three of the four races they've run. He and Smith are actually the only drivers who, com- who have completed all 712 possible laps in the series this year.
1: And then you got Daniel Dye, who has finished in the top ten in all four East Series races in 2021 and is also looking for that first win. And starting at Southern National, he will push for that victory with the team that helped two-time, East, uh, two-time reigning East champion Sam Mayer win five of the series' six races last season. So Dye, who ran the first four events of the season with Ben Kennedy racing, racing, recently joined GMS Racing for the remainder of the East Series schedule and then select Arkham and Ard Series races. So, beginning Saturday at the Southern National, he will run that team's famed number 21 Chevrolet with Race to Stop Suicide uh, sticking as his sponsor. Another – are you there, Sharon? Go ahead, Jay. Okay. uh, Another East driver uh, entered at Southern National who has shown uh, race-winning speed in 2021 is Rajah Karuth, a rookie competing on the platform as part of the NASCAR Drive for Diversity program. Karuth's para top tens, including a fourth-place finish at Five Flags, currently has him seventh in points. And we'll look at the points here in just a minute. I want to see if we can pull up. Hopefully this one gives me the updated um, entry list as well. We want to take a look at that, and then we'll pull up the points here and cover that before we shift gears.
0: Jay, Jay, let me check. And our guest is coming on board now, so we're going to kind of go yep. into that at this point. So let me yep. bring him into the queue. All right, uh, really excited that we have with us tonight, Andres Perez, Perez de Lara, and uh, actually he is a 2020 NASCAR truck. Series Champion in the Mexico Series, so uh, really excited to have you on board with us tonight. This year, you're racing the U.S. Legends Series, correct?
2: Hi, how are you? Uh, Thank you for having me. Yes, Uh, this year, I'll be racing with Rev Racing in the NASCAR Drive for Diversity Program and the Legends Cars, and I'm really excited for it. All right. Yes, Rev
0: Racing does such a great job with the drive for diversity program. And uh talk to us a little bit about how you uh uh got into the drive for
2: diversity program this year. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So, last year, uh I raced in the NASCAR Trucks Mexico. That is like a divisional uh development series for for NASCAR Mexico. I won the championship, uh won many races. Uh, as my rookie year, and I got the opportunity to to be a part of NASCAR Drive for Diversity, and this year I've been preparing here with the team in, in Charlotte. And, yeah, so this Monday and Tuesday we are starting the season. Uh, I think I'm ready, and we'll get good results, hopefully. Okay. It, it,
0: does it start with the uh, Charlotte shootout? Is that the beginning of your season? Yeah, the summer the, the
2: summer shootout uh will be my my first uh race. Uh I, I've done tests before and and won race in Tri County Speedway, but uh finally we're starting uh the championship that is will be the, the summer shootout. Uh yes, I'll I'll be racing summer shootout this year.
0: Okay. And you've been preparing for this. Uh, as you mentioned, with Rev Racing. Uh, So tell us a little bit about who your team is.
2: Uh, Sorry? Uh, Can I ask you? Yes. um, I'll be working uh, closely as well with AK Performance, Kendall Sellers. He'll be helping me uh, in the Legends cars. Uh, He's in charge of the Legends of Rev Racing and the NASCAR Drive for Diversity. And it's a great team. Uh, we uh, they got very good cars. Uh, definitely, we will be able to fight for for good results, um, winning and and getting better every every week. Okay, and
0: and having the experience that you have with the NASCAR Mexico Series uh, is really huge. So uh, I do have our co-host with us here tonight. And uh, I'm going to bring him on board. I know he has some questions for you, too.
2: Great. Thank
1: you. All right. Well, the first question I want to ask is, is you've made your history in go-karting. Talk about what it is to switch to then a full-body car and even be a little more up off the ground. Go-karts fit pretty low to the ground. I know the legends uh, are a little bit higher. But talk about that experience of getting into the full-body cars. Yeah, so so I started my career
2: in karting, and then I moved to to Formula Four uh, cars in Mexico, the Latin Latin American F4 series, and I started in road courses as well, and then I got the opportunity to to go to NASCAR. Uh, I definitely liked it. Um, it's it's very very fun racing. Uh, I I really prefer. NASCAR and now, and yeah, it was a big transition from from karting to F4 and then moved to the bigger cars, NASCARs, and yeah, uh, definitely it took my time, uh, some tests to to get used to it, but now I think I'm I'm very comfortable with all the big cars, and and I think I'm
1: getting better every time as well. And move, moving into those with the legend cars, we've seen uh, multiple drivers uh, that have gone through these legend cars that have moved all the way up to NASCAR, uh, the top three touring series. So when you look at that, the importance of the legend cars, a lot of, a lot of people maybe think that they aren't important, but we know that they are, and taking that step.
2: Yes, legends are, it's a very competitive series. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I think it's a, a very technical car. It helps; it teaches you a lot in NASCAR. Uh, the, there's a very competitive field as well, many many drivers. And yes, I've heard that many many of NASCAR current NASCAR drivers uh, went there. So that has me very excited as well, um, knowing that maybe I can go up from there, and it'll definitely help me a lot
1: to to start getting better. Now, last thing I wanted to ask you about before I start turn it back over to Sharon is, is: we see the history of the family. So t- talk a little bit about your dad, his racing experience, and then the relationship you have with him now as you continue to grow, and he, he's with you with that. Yeah,
2: definitely. My my dad used to to race as well. He he raced NASCAR in Mexico some years. Uh, now he he's not racing anymore, but. Uh, he used to race in IMSA in the GTD class. Uh, he raced in 24 Hours Daytona and the Ferrari Challenge. Um, he 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 is a very good driver, and he, he has helped me a lot uh, since my my starts in karting. He has teaching me a lot, and he he's always there with me. And I, I've I've learned many things from him uh, that I use in the track. Um, hopefully, I can do my my own path uh, because. I really like NASCAR. Uh, he used to do NASCAR as well, but he was not very into it. And but yeah, definitely, he has helped me a lot uh, to the point where I am right now. And he'll he'll be helping me a lot as well in in this summer, uh, racing the legends.
1: Well, I know I know you get paid and signed as the driver, but generally that's a package deal. Then when somebody comes with their dad or other support like that, they kind of become a, an additional member of the team—a two-for-one deal, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon here. I know she's got a couple more to ask you about. Great. And Sharon.
0: I had the mute button on. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think it's uh, so great, Andres, that your your dad is so involved with your career and, uh, you know, supporting you in such a big way. When he was racing, did you have a chance to go with him to
2: the track? Yes, yeah, me. I love that. Uh, I went to Daytona and many tracks in the U.S., uh, as well in Mexico, and always trying to to learn uh, new things there. Uh, I was I was uh, maybe 10 years old. I I didn't even start uh, to racing cars, but it it did help me a lot. Now I I use some of the things he used to do and and yes, uh, I I visited many tracks in the U.S. and now I'm uh, hopefully I'll be driving in there uh, soon, and yes I'm very excited thank you okay
0: now you're still in the 10th grade and you've got school so how difficult is that especially when you're talking about uh mexico and racing in the u.s are, are you home yeah school? that uh
2: no uh, i'm actually still in 10th grade right now in mexico we're still in Online school because of the pandemic. Um, fortunately, uh, I'll be living in Charlotte only in the summer, so I'll be able to go back to Mexico and continue my studies. Uh, it, there, uh, there, there will be definitely a point where I need to to give preference to to cars uh, when I when it takes more time. But right now, I'm still studying. Uh, trying to learn as much as possible, but yeah, I'll I'll definitely give it everything for uh, racing sometime.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, now I also noticed that you enjoy doing the I racing mountain biking and motor Uh Now. Uh, I, uh, all of those things probably help you to some degree in your racing, I suppose. Uh, but talk a little bit about your your what you enjoy doing when you're not racing on the track.
2: Yeah, definitely. I love I love i-racing. Uh, I racing. I race every time I can in my simulator at home. Uh, also, like uh, I also really like mountain biking. Uh, it's really fun and motocross as well. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to it, but the, I, I really li- like like doing that. Also snow skiing. Um I really like extreme sports as you can see. And yeah, definitely i racing helps me as well. Not only for fun, uh it helps me to, to know better the tracks before I go to, to them and to keep my getting my pace getting better and my lifetimes as well.
0: Okay, that is awesome. Now also Uh, I know you were inspired by your dad, but looking at the NASCAR drivers and the Driver Diversity Program and Rev Racing, there was Daniel Suarez before you, um, and how how did he inspire you? Yeah,
2: so Daniel Suarez used to race in NASCAR Mexico, and he was also in Nascar Drive for Diversity, so that really inspires me in the way that I am uh, following his steps, doing the same thing he did and yeah, he's definitely an inspiration for me, role model, I definitely want to, to race against him uh, in the future and yeah, knowing that I'm doing the same thing he did and in the, with the same people with the same program and uh, hopefully I'll be racing with him in the future.
0: Okay, that sounds like a good plan. Have you had a chance to talk to Daniel?
2: Um, yes, only a few times. Uh, I've talked to him. Uh, hopefully, I can talk to more in the future. But yeah, so only only a few times. I uh, I sent him texts and and uh, only a few phone calls. But yes, um, he definitely um, knows about me. Hopefully. And he can hopefully he can teach me some things in the future as well. Okay.
0: Yeah, we've had Daniel on the show when he was in the CNN pro series here uh several times. So uh uh we're really familiar with uh his career path and, and how well he's doing now in the cup series. Uh and that has to be very encouraging for you as well to know that somebody has done this before you and that you can follow in their footsteps.
2: Yes. Uh, he's now a, a very fast driver in the cup series. He's doing, he's having great results. And that's very inspiring uh, to know that uh, hopefully one day I'll keep, I could be like him. And in the 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 series I'm racing right now are very, very good in competitive and Yes, yeah, that's a very uh, good goal for me, to, to race against him in the future, or be, be like him as well.
0: Okay. Now, when you're not racing the Legends Series, because you're just starting that uh, season, as you mentioned, have you been doing any other racing besides the U.S. Legends?
2: Yes. This year I'm racing in Nostra, Mexico, in the Challenge Division. V8 cars, it's is similar to a late model uh, with many differences as well. And at the end, it's, it's a V8, and pretty similar to it. And many drivers competing uh, uh, again drivers that have been there for many years with lots of experience. And, yeah, my first race, I finished third in my, in my class. Um, I think I, I can do better. Uh, I'm getting ready here uh, in the U.S. Legends as well. It helps me to improve as well, so I'm in a good rhythm of racing, and next, we are, next week I have my, my second race, and hopefully I can get the win. Okay.
0: Well, we have a lot of confidence in you, uh, uh, Andres, and and uh, we wish you the very best. Are there any shout-outs that you want to make before we uh, say goodnight to you for tonight?
2: Yeah, I just wanna thank you for for having me, for inviting me, and uh, I just wanna thank everyone that is involved in the NASCAR Draco Diversity Racing that are always there to always there to help me. Uh, I wanna thank you, thank you to all of them, and yeah, I'll I'll do everything I can to get very good results this summer.
0: Thank you. Yes, I'll tell you what the Draco Diversity Program is absolutely. Awesome! They've done so much for so many drivers, and uh, I tell you what—it's been a pleasure getting to know you tonight. And we hope this isn't your last visit with us, Andrea. Uh, we hope you'll come back and visit with us again, especially if you get a win either in Mexico or the U.S. election.
2: Yes, that'll be great. Uh, hopefully, we can we can talk again soon when I get wins and started to to go up in the in racing okay then, well, that's a deal
0: okay Andreas uh, again thank you so much for being on the show with us we really appreciate uh, all that you're doing and and you're taking the time to uh, be here on the show and allowing us and, and our listeners uh, to get to know you a little bit better so thank you so much
2: thanks so so much for having me it's a pleasure oh,
0: okay okay good luck now uh at, with your race this weekend thank you okay good good night now
2: thank you see you
0: all right we'll we'll be following <laughs> all right that was andreas Perez delora and jay um you know, he he speaks English so well, and I'm always so impressed because uh, they do such a, he does such a better job speaking English than I would ever be able to speak Spanish. So I know a little bit of Spanish, but not nearly as fluent as uh, as he is in English.
1: No, you're right. I would I wouldn't be able to have a conversation. It would be uh, one or two words to get a point across. <laughs> if that were the case. Uh, the one thing I took there was, you know, you mentioned him being on the show again. He said, yeah, when I win races, I'll be back. He didn't say if or, you know, or he said when.
0: <laughs> yes, I like that. That's true. I like the way he said that. There's some confidence there. And, uh, you know, to, to know how important his dad is uh, to his career and and how involved he is. Uh, is always a good thing to hear. Families play such an important role in uh, anybody's racing career, and this is no different. So uh, that's really cool to see, too. Yeah,
1: and I know with Red Racing, for sure, that they've they've always been that way. Uh, but we've seen it all the way up to the cup level. When you have a strong tie, to, normally it is the dad. We've seen some female drivers that it's with their mom. But like I said, they come together as a package deal with the team, uh, one way or another, whether it be a spotter or a, a PR person or something, but they kind of just uh, get to join the team for free.
0: <laughs> they do. They do. Okay. Real quick. Let's go ahead and hit the, um, uh, the um, entry list. I think you were about to do that when uh, Andreas came on.
1: All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I didn't count how many we had tonight. Uh, the number three car, that'll be Davy Callahan. The six, Raja Carruth. We have the number eight uh, listed for Empire Racing uh, to be announced. The, the number 10, that'll be Owen Smith. Mason Mingus in the number 11. We've seen him make the start there at Nashville. Excellent late model driver from that area out of uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. Stephanie Moyer in the 12. We talked about Sammy Smith in the 18, Daniel Dye in the 21 now. And then we got some of our championship contenders. Uh Max Gutierrez in the number 30. We have another on number 42 listed as to be announced. Brad Smith in the number 48. Morgan Alexander uh in the fifty. Mentioned Julie East in the number fifty-four, Mason Diaz in the seventy-four. And then the last pair will be Justin Carroll in the ninety-one. And Wayne Peterson making an E-Series start in the number 06 cell phone team. So let me see if I got how many that is. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 drivers on the entry list.
0: Yeah, and the one thing that's kind of cool about that number 42 car that's to be announced yet is uh, uh, it's owned by Bruce Cook. Uh, but the thing is, the crew chief is a female, Amber Slagle. So that's going to be kind of a highlight this weekend in this East race is that we're going to have a female crew chief uh, for that number 42.
1: Well, how about that? And uh, I don't know if you like this one, but I'm going to throw it out there instead of Larry McNuggets. We got uh, Sharon side dish, information you might not know. She likes to (laughs) slip in there.
0: Okay, well, I like to keep fans up to date with what's going on, and uh, you do a pretty good job of uh, being up on things as well, Jay, so thank you so much.
1: (laughs) I told you, I I don't remember when it was the other night when we had that, I told you I'd think on it, and that was what I came up with, it's a side dish.
0: (laughs) Okay, there you go. Okay, uh, let's go ahead now and move to our national series, uh, starting with the truck series. They're going to be racing at uh, the Camping World Truck Series is going to be racing at T- Texas Motor Speedway and the speedycash.com 220, uh, and that races this Saturday, June the 12th, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the pre-race coverage uh, will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 12 noon Eastern and the radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The distance is 220.5 miles, over 147 laps. Uh, stage 1 and Stage 2 are both 35 laps apiece, uh, and the final stage ends on the last lap, which is 77 uh, laps. So uh, it should be an interesting race out of the Texas Motor Speedway. We're back at the
1: 1.5-mile track. Certainly going to be, and we got a couple of notes to throw out. We'll start with the Sunoco Rookie of the Year update. Now coming out of his second-place showing at Charlotte, Carson Horsevar continued to extend his lead over Chandler Smith to stay atop of the Sunoco rookie standings. He now holds a 53-point advantage at 264 to 211. Now, Smith had a very respectable showing himself, finishing sixth, but only Josevar scored uh, stage points between the two. Now, Haley Deegan currently sits third with 179 points after she finished 13th, another good run for Haley uh, there at Charlotte. Unfortunately, Chase Purdy uh, has 106 points and sits in fourth. He finished 34th. And then Chris Wright is fifth with uh, 58 points. Now, Wright has only competed in six of the ten races this season, most recently at Charlotte, uh, where he was 23rd at the conclusion of the race.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, we are going to cover um, some more uh, tidbits here. We're getting- pertaining to the uh, truck series, and we did mention this before, uh, but we'll kind of make it official, I guess, here now. Brendan Poole is making his 2021 NASCAR National Series debut with On Point Motorsports uh, this weekend, and he'll be driving the number 30 Toyota for the team. Uh, he is marking, his, again, his debut. And Poole, who grew up near Houston, Texas, Texas Spent the beginning of the year recovering from an injury that was the result of a snowboarding accident. Now, Poole's best finish in the Camping World Truck Series was a runner-up result at Charlotte, another 1.5-mile track, in 2019. So it's really good that he's coming back uh, and that we are seeing him on the track with On Point
1: Motorsports. It uh, certainly is, and we talked about that just at the tail end of the show Monday night, I believe. Uh, good to see. Uh, one thing we got to look at, though, in the truck series is we got five races left. We're 10 down, five to go in the regular season. So not too much has changed from three weeks ago. John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Sheldon Creed, and Todd Gilliland are still the only drivers to have secured spots in the playoffs by virtue of wins. That currently leaves six spots to be filled on points, guaranteeing at least one will be transferring into the playoffs on points. And you got first-time Texas winner Johnny Sauter. He's still holding on to that tenth and final spot based on points, but he's now just two points ahead of Austin Wayne Self, who's the first driver on the outside looking in. Another previous Texas winner, Matt Crafton. He dropped to seventh on the playoff grid, but is still comfortably in position to advance to the postseason. The remainder of the field currently in the playoff picture, you have Austin Hill, and he moved up to third in points. Zane Smith is sixth. Stuart Friesen, eighth. Carson Horsevar now ninth on the playoff grid, and they're all still looking for their first win at Texas Motor Speedway. We mentioned this several times, although Grant Infinger is currently ninth overall in point he is not eligible for the playoffs at this point after missing the race at the daytona road course early in the season and the fact that we haven't heard anything about him getting a waiver it doesn't look good for uh, Enfinger as far as the playoffs now hill has nine starts at texas with a pair of top five finishes including a runner-up result last year smith has two starts both last season and finished third in his second race. Friesen has a trio of top fives and four top ten results, including a best of second in the first race there in 2018. And it'll be Sunoco rookie uh, points leader, Hosovar. He'll be making his track debut this weekend.
0: Okay, now John Hunter Nemechek puts Toyota back in victory lane. After Toyota dominated the opening portion of the season by winning the first Seven races. Chevrolet and Ford took their turns in victory lane at Darlington and the Circuit of the Americas. But at Charlotte Motor Speedway two weeks ago, Toyota came roaring back into the winnings, winner's circle with Kyle Busch Motors' John Hunter Nemechek behind the wheel. The win was Nemechek's third of the year and sixth for KBM. It gives him a solid 44-point advantage over Ben Rhodes for the points lead and a shot at the regular season championship, and the spoil of 15 additional playoff points that come with the title. Now, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series heads to Texas Motor Speedway, where Nemechek has yet to net a top-five finish, but he also hasn't raced there in the truck since 2017. His best finish came in his second start there. That was the summer of 2016 when he was seventh. Overall, he has an average finish at 15.2 in five starts there between 2015 and
1: 17. All right, make sure. Oh, mine reset. Make sure it come off mute. Uh, looking at how they'll line up, again, they're still using the metric qualifying. So the most race, most recent race winner, Kyle Busch Motorsports driver John Hunter Niemicek, We'll start from the poll in Saturday afternoon's NASCAR Camp and World Truck Series race at the speedycash.com speedy 220. Now, he'll be joined by another Toyota on the front row, and that's Thor Sports Racing's Ben Rhodes. Now, Nice Motorsports' Carson Horsivar, impressive runner-up performance at Charlotte, netted him a spot on the second row, and he'll start third. To his outside in fourth will be Todd Gilliland. Then we have Austin Hill, Stuart Friesen, Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, Derek Krauss, and Drew Dollar that will complete the top 10. None of the drivers starting in that top 10 for Saturday's race have a win at Texas Motor Speedway, but Austin Hill in 2020, Stuart Friesen in 2019, and Ben Rhodes in 2018 have come the closest to those 10 drivers as all three have posted runner-up finishes recently.
0: Okay, next up, uh, back and forth here. So give me just a second. Um, next up, we're going to be talking about the Camping World Truck Series being back in action at Texas. Uh, they took last weekend off, but now they're returning to action at Texas Motor Speedway for the Speed of Cash 220 on Saturday, June the 12th. And uh, it'll be a double-header day. With the NASCAR Xfinity Series wrapping up today with a race at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, former series champion and current Fox Sports NASCAR analyst Todd Bodine leads the Camping World Truck Series in wins at Texas Motor Speedway. He has 6 victories in 2004, 5, 6, 7, 9, and 10. For sport Racing's Johnny Sauter leads all the active truck series drivers in wins at Texas with five victories. He had a sweep in 2012, 16, 17, and 18. Sauter's Thor Sport teammate, Matt Crafton, is the only other active driver with multiple wins, and he has two in 2014 and 15. In fact, the only other entered driver that has a win in the trucks at the 1.5-mile track is Sheldon Creed, who won the most recent race at Texas just last fall. The series has raced 47 times at Texas Motor Speedway, with the first race there being run in 2000, I'm sorry, in 1997. There have been 24 different winners to visit Victory Lane over the years, and Todd Bodine is the all-time wins leader on the circuit with six. Brendan Gaughan has four wins, Ron Hornaday has recorded three, Greg Biffle, Dennis Setzer, and Jack Sprague all have two apiece. Of note, nine times a Texas race winner has gone on to win the Camping Road Truck Series championship that same season. The first to do it was Greg Biffle in 2000, and the most recent driver to do it was Sheldon Creed just last year. In fact, in five of the past seven years, a Texas race winner has won the series title. So it started with Greg Biffle in 2000. In 2001, it was Jack Sprague. In 2006 and 10, it was Todd Bodine. In 2014, it was Matt Crafton, Eric Jones, Johnny Sauter, Christopher Bell. And that covers uh, from 2014 to 17. And then sheldon creed who did it just last year so uh pretty interesting there uh especially that last stat. in five of the past seven years a texas race winner has won that title jay oops i gotta bring him in the queue
1: yeah that's definitely going to be interesting to see how this shakes out at texas motor speedway and again with only five more races to go uh see who really gets desperate for a win and maybe maybe makes that push to try and get in on wins rather than points
0: yes indeed we've got a couple minutes here so let's go over the series point standings uh for the truck series
1: all right, see if I can pull those up real quick. Load that over there. I got too many screens open. All right, headed into oh, okay. Texas. That was coming out of Charlotte. Make sure I get the Texas one.
0: Yeah, you want the points coming out of Charlotte.
1: There we go. All right, well, John I hunter check, obviously. Okay, uh, it's coming up. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek obviously is your points leader. We talked about it. He's got three wins, a 44-point cushion, as well as 22 playoff points built up Uh, with those three wins. He also has seven stage wins. Uh, Ben Rhodes is next with his pair of wins and one stage win for a total of 11 playoff points. Austin Hill in the middle there in third place in between others with wins. He doesn't have a win or any playoff points yet. So Sheldon Creed, he'll get bumped up there when they reset it. He's got one win and one stage win for six playoff points. Todd Gillen, in points, one win, two stage wins for a total of seven playoff points. Zane Smith has picked up a stage win, so he has one playoff point but no victories. And then the rest, uh, Matt Craft and Stuart Friesen, Mentioned Grant Infinger, but he's uh, exempt at this point. Carson Horsevar and Johnny Sauter. Uh, none of them, with the exception of Infinger, who doesn't matter, have any playoff points either. No wins, no stage wins. And then mentioned Austin Wayne Self. We look at Johnny Sauter as the cut line, assuming Grant Infinger is not in. Sauter's at 221. Austin Wayne Self at 219. Chandler Smith at 211. And then Tyler Ankrum at 204 and rookie Haley Deegan at 179. And that's about where you're looking at below there. Ryan Truex, Derek Krauss, uh, you're looking at a win to get in because that's quite the points gap to make up five or six positions.
0: Yes, indeed. So these guys uh, are going to be racing hard in these next five races, uh, especially when you consider uh, that that countdown. Uh, it starts this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway and with only five more races left for the year. So uh, <laughs> these guys will want to make the most of every uh, lap as they can in order to improve their position on that grid.
1: Yeah. And they, again, you still got to go through John Hunter Nemechek. It's not like he's going to take any time off. So, uh have faith, and unfortunately, I have to pick him in our fantasy group. But uh, he's still the top dog until somebody knocks him off.
0: <laughs> That's right, uh, Jay. We've got a couple minutes here. Do you want to give an update in the next uh, few minutes here on our fantasy group in the fan racing group?
1: Sure. Let me. Uh, you're just testing. You're just testing to see how well this new phone works, aren't you?
3: <laughs> I am.
1: See if I can pull that up while I stay on the line. All right. Uh, Let's see. We'll start with the truck series. Have it? Okay. On the truck series, Sharon leads at 45 points, five-point lead over Andy at 40. I'm at 38. Mike at 35. Tommy at 31. Owen at 30, as well as Sam at 30. And James at 24. So only 21-point gap top to bottom in the truck series. The Xfinity Series, we are now tied at the top. And I say we, it's not me. Uh, Andy and Mike are tied at the top at 56 points. Sam made the jump into third at 47, so he's only nine points behind them. I'm at 44. James is at 43. Owen at 41. Sharon at 37. And Tommy at 34. There we're looking at 22 points top to bottom. On the cup side, I have a slim lead, four points. I'm at 83. Mike is at 79. Sam is at 71. Sharon at 69. And then Owen at 68. James is at 55. Tommy at 49. And
0: Okay, did I lose you? I think sounds like you hit the mute button.
1: No, I'm still here.
0: Oh, okay. I I didn't hear anything for a little bit.
1: Okay. Um, there on the cup side, I was saying uh, Andy been sticking with Chase Briscoe as he's gonna throughout the uh, All-Star weekend as well, uh, having a bit of a rough go of it. Other than that, it's a 34 point lead from Tommy up to me. And then let me see if I can find the overall. Uh, Mike stretched that one out on me. He's at 170 total. I'm at 165, five points back. Sharon's at 151. Sam at 148. Owen at 139. Andy's at 128. James at 122. And then Tommy at 114. So there it's a 56 points. And that mentioned the truck series moving into their playoffs. As each series hits the playoffs, we're going to bump this up to double points. So 14 points per weekend or per race for each series will be available once they all hit the playoffs.
0: Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's going to get interesting for our Fan for Racing Fantasy group as well.
1: It certainly okay. is, especially with this uh, the All-Star we, uh, weekend here, picking an open and a uh, cup driver all at the same time. And I, I was so excited. I thought I was going to get the two drivers I wanted, and Tommy picked fourth right behind, in front of me and took both of my picks. So I had to do some scrambling there.
0: <laughs> had to go back to your second choices, huh?
1: Actually, on okay. one of them I had to go to the third because James had already taken William Byron as well. So.
0: Wow. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They'll be racing the Alstow Uniforms 250 at Texas Motor Speedway again on Saturday, June the 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That pre-race coverage will start at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1 and on the radio on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.5 miles. Over 167 laps. The first two stages are 40 laps apiece, so ending on lap 40 and again on lap 80. The last stage ends on the last lap, which is lap 167. So I believe that is 87 laps.
1: All right. We're going to change it up here a little with the Xfinity Series. We're going to start with the manufacturer update first. Uh, Chevrolet is currently leading that charge in the Xfinity Series with seven wins so far in the season, total of 484 points in their manufacturer standings. The Chevrolet's wins have come at Homestead Miami Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Martinsville Speedway, and then Talladega Super Speedway, Darlington Raceway, and most re- recently, the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Toyota is in second in the standings. They have 455 points, three victories. The Toyota wins came at the Daytona Road Course, the Circuit of America, and at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Lastly, Ford is in third with three wins, 441 points. Their wins came at the season opener at Daytona, and then Phoenix Raceway, as well as Dover International Speedway.
0: Okay, Uh, next we'll get into our Sunoco Rookie of the Year update in the Xfinity Series. Uh, And after another solid run for the rookie, Ty Gibbs at Mid-Ohio last weekend, banking his sixth uh, top ten, banking his fifth, sixth top five finish in seven starts this season. He's extended his lead over his junior motorsports uh, driver Josh Berry in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. Gibbs has pocketed two wins this season at the Daytona Road Course and at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And he's only run in seven of the 14 Xfinity Series events so far this year. So Gibbs is that uh, he has four awards at 272 points. And uh, Josh Berry is at 256 points, also with four awards. Ryan Vargas is at 129 points with four awards. And Jade Buford at 44 points with no awards. So uh, that is uh, where they stand in the points. Junior Motorsports' Josh Berry is holding on to second place in the rookie standings. He's just sixteen points behind Gibbs heading into Texas this weekend. Uh, Jay, can you take this over?
3: Certainly. Uh,
1: follow following that. Sorry, um, she was under the rookie scroll down there. And Levin starts so far this season. He has one win at Martinsville and three top fives. In six top tens, fled a total of 151 laps, an average start of 16.6. Now, J.D. Motorsports, Ryan Vargas, he's still sitting in third in the rookie point standings with 129. His 12 starts so far this season for J.D. Motorsports, Vargas got his best finish of 16th, coming at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, Jade Buford joined the rookie party just two weeks ago in the standings. He's got 20 points, and that, or started there with 20 points, and now has 44 points after the mid-Ohio race. And 12 starts so far this season. Buford has a best finish of 13th coming from last weekend. He still sits ahead of Jordan Anderson and Sam Mayer, uh, both who have had yet made to make a start here in 2021. Sam Mayer will be starting shortly. I don't know the exact race he's starting, but Jordan Anderson's team has been putting other drivers in the vehicle uh, in order to get the points built up. So they're looking to advance their team further in the standings.
0: Yes, indeed. Move up here. Also, also Will Rogers is going to be joining Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, It was announced that Will Rogers, who's 26, is returning to the NASCAR Xfinity series to pilot the number twenty six Good RX Toyota beginning at Nashville Super Speedway. He's a four time winner in the Arkham and Arts series and is also a member of the twenty eighteen to nineteen NASCAR Next class. He brings Good R X on board the Toyota for his debut at Nashville. In 2019, Rogers made four Xfinity starts at Iowa, Mid Ohio, Charlotte, Roble and Homestead, Miami Speedway. He has a best finish of 12th at Mid-Ohio. Rogers is the only active driver in the NASCAR from Hawaii and was diagnosed with a chronic liver disease. Primary scleriosyncholangus I'm probably butchering that uh, but to shorten it, it's PSC. At the age of three Since then, he's lived a healthy life uh, with PSC and is on a mission to use his platform to help fight liver diseases for himself and others who are suffering. He established the Will Rogers Liver Health Foundation, a 5013 organization. So uh, it's really good to have him back in the Xfinity series and uh, behind a very important uh, foundation that will help many, many people.
1: Certainly hope so. It's great to see a driver with a cause like that. I know I just mentioned Ryan Vargas, another one, uh, that has a, has an organization like that that they support based on personal reasons. Uh, not that you want to see anybody go through that, but they bring awareness to it for others. So Now we're going to look at that bubble trouble. The playoff shakeups are continuing. Uh, and up top, Collard Racing's A.J. Allmendinger got his second win of the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series season this last weekend at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, which means that for the drivers without a win, they haven't lost another spot that's up for grabs here in the postseason. Currently, there are still only uh, five drivers locked into the postseason with wins. Austin Sindrick, Justin Algar- Allmendinger, and Jeb Burton and Myatt Schneider. That means they're here in the Xfinity series, there's seven spots left in the field to either make it in on, uh, with a win or on points. Daniel Hemrick jumped back up to six in the standings. is the highest-ranked driver without a win right now. And he's 128 points above the cut line, so his points cushion is pretty strong. But if that bad luck continues to strike for him, he might lose that gap. And that gap will uh, be filled by Harrison Burton, teammate to Hemrick at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, they're tied with that 128-point cushion, but Hemrick owns the tiebreaker due to his best finishes so far this season. Then you have another Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Brandon Jones. He's been improving over the last few weeks, and he's been sitting in the final playoff transfer spot after a couple of bad finishes, but made his way up to ninth. Justin Haley is sitting, still sitting in eighth. Is the only college racing driver without a win so far this year. Now, Noah Gregson has been up and down all season. He's currently now in that final playoffs transfer spot, just 15 points above the cut line. He's had a handful of bad results, including this last week and at mid-Ohio, where he didn't even make it one lap around the track. Uh, but he's hoping he can swing the pendulum back to the positive side this weekend at Texas. Uh, just outside that spot, the 12th spot, the cutoff line is Brandon Brown. He's in 13th, mentioned 15 points below the cut line right now. He still had a career season and has been above the cut line as well as below. If he stays consistent, he'll be able to jump back above that cut line. Riley Herbst and Ryan Sieg are sitting 14th and 15th, respectively. And those two have been running up front more regularly now and are fighting their way, trying to fight their way into the top 12. I think this uh, cut line here for the Xfinity Series is going to be real intense. A couple of drivers didn't mention, 10th and 11th, that would be Michael Annette in 11th Jeremy Clements in 10th. And they are currently 10 and 11 points. I'm sorry, uh, 10 and 21 points above Noah Gregson in 12. Uh, mentioned Riley Herbs. he's at 279. So he is 45 points below the cut line. Mentioned uh, they got a few more races here. They got 13 in, 13 more to go, I believe, before their playoffs uh, start. So you got a little bit of uh, time there with the races. But that's still a lot of points to be making up just on points, especially if Gregson, Brown, Annette, and Clements are running strong.
0: Exactly. And these guys, they're all looking for the win uh, because that's going to be the the most secure way to get into the playoffs this year. Okay, and there's nothing new here, but Joe Gibbs Racing heads to Texas Motor Speedway looking for more wins. The organization returns to Texas looking to get their series-leading 15th victory at the 1.5-mile track this weekend in the Alco Uniforms 250. Not only will Gibbs have the normal cast of Xfinity regulars, Brandon Jones, Harrison Burton, and Daniel Hemrick, but also the winningest driver in series history is slated to run as well, and that would be none other than Kyle Busch. The 36-year-old Las Vegas, Nevada native, Kyle Busch, has the strongest numbers at Texas Motor Speedway during his time in the Xfinity Series. He has the most polls with four, the most wins with nine, and the most top fives with 16. He's also tied with Kevin Harvick and Matt Kenseth for the most top tens, which is 17. He is tied with Elliott Sadler for the most lead lap finishes at 19, and he's the leader in laps completed at 4,292 and for laps led at 1,701 at Texas. As well as Bush will be piloting the number 52, I'm sorry, the number 54 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota this weekend, looking for his 10th series victory. If Bush wins, This weekend at Texas, it will become the second track in the series that Bush has won at in double digits, joining Phoenix Raceway, where he has 11 wins. Bush's Joe Gibbs Racing teammates, Harrison Burton, won the playoff Xfinity Series race at Texas last season. He's hoping to go back-to-back, and Harrison Burton has the third-best driver rating at Texas behind Kyle Bush and Kevin Harvick. He has an average finish of 4.3 and a pre-race driver rating of 113.6. Harrison also has the second-best green flag speed with an average of 174.638 miles per hour. That's behind Noah Gregson at 174.792 miles per hour. So it's pretty close competition there, but Joe Giff's, uh racing is looking pretty strong going into Texas.
1: Well, I'd I'd have to look all the way through all the races, but Joe Gibbs Racing is pretty strong everywhere, so uh, there's no surprise there, as you said. Now, everything's bigger and better in Texas. For the NASCAR Xfinity Series this weekend, will be the 41st race at Texas Motor Speedway. There have been 21 different race winners and 24 different pole winners in the first 40 races at the 1.5-mile track. Eric Jones holds the record, Xfinity Series record for the youngest pole winner. It was 18 years, 9 months, 11 days back in April of 2015. NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin holds the record for the oldest Xfinity pole winner at Texas when he did it at 47 years, 9 months, and 26 years. I'm sorry, 26 days uh, back in November of 2006. Only six races have been won from the pole position or the first starting position in the Xfinity Series history at Texas. The last driver to accomplish that feat being Ryan Blaney back in 2018. And 2004 Xfinity Series champion Chase Elliott, he holds the record for the youngest winner in Texas history uh, for the series. He was 18 years, four months, and seven days when he did it in 2014. And Jeff Purvis is the one that holds the opposite end as the oldest three years, one month, and 18 days when he did it in 2002. Just to get a Kyle Busch note in there, he holds the race record to 151.707 miles per hour, coming back on April 5th, 2008. Jeff Green holds the qualifying record at 193.493 miles per hour done on April 6, 2002. Now, this race last season was won by Team Penske's Austin Sindrick. He led 44 laps en route to his victory. Chase Briscoe finished behind him in second, and Justin Allgaier was third. Allgaier had led a race high 98 laps and led, or sorry, swept the first two stages. Some other notes here. Jeremy Clements will make his 25th Xfinity Series start at Texas the most of any active drivers. And Texas has been a place of first for many. We got Kurt Busch in 2006, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 98, Chase Elliott in 2014, and Eric Jones in 2015 that all got their first Xfinity Series win at Texas Motor Speedway. Alex Bowman in 2013, Denny Hamlin in 2006, and David Reagan in 2007. They all got their first Xfinity Series pole at Texas Motor Speedway.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> it's a Howdy Texas uh, doubleheader this weekend, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, in addition to the ASCO's Uniforms 250 on Fox Sports 1 and PRN Sirius XM NASCAR radio at 4 p.m. this Saturday, there's going to be the Camping World Truck Series kicking off the weekend. Uh, That same day, Saturday the 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern, with the SpeedyCash.com 220 prior to the green flag for the Xfinity Series. The series heads to Texas, coming off an exciting weekend at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, making left and right turns. AJ Amendinger got his second win of the season on Saturday, after an impressive run from the back of the field in the final stage. Uh, the win tied him with Marcus Ambrose for the most NASCAR Xfinity Series road course wins all time. Uh, Allmendinger's first career win in the Xfinity Series came at Mid-Ohio in 2013 in the inaugural race at the track. Last weekend's race had seven cautions for 23 laps. It was seven lead changes and a margin of victory of just .809 seconds. Colleg racing swept the first two positions with Justin Haley coming in second to AJ Allmendinger. Ty Gibbs finished third, followed by Brandon Jones in fourth, and Andy Lally rounding out the top five. It looked like a road course ace, Austin Cedric, was going to after leading 30 of the 78 laps, but he lost the lead after taking the outside on one of the final restarts and being shuffled off course. He ended up finishing 14th in the number 22, Team Penske Ford. Brandon Brown finished sixth. Michael Lynette finished behind him in seventh. Josh Berry in eighth. Ryan Sieg in in ninth. And Josh Williams rounding out the top ten. By virtue of the metric qualifying, A.J. Amundinger gets to start on the pole this weekend for the Alstow Uniforms 250 at Texas, and his teammate Haley will join him on the front row. Jones, Sindrick, Daniel Hemrick, Michael Lynette Brown, uh, Jeff Burton, Ryan Sieg, and Alex LeBay are all starting inside the top ten for this weekend's race. So it's going to be fun. I think it's going to get wild and crazy. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah,
1: that's right. You're right. I'll go back to the it's bigger and better at Texas, and we talk about that points bubble there uh could blow up uh, here at this uh, track this weekend as that seems to be a track that uh, could have some big swings to it when we talk about the point standings.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series because actually we've got two races to cover here uh, in the same group. There's the NASCAR Open for those people that did not qualify for the All-Star Race. They'll have a chance to get in in the NASCAR Open this Sunday, June the 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, pre-race coverage starts at 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. There will be three segments, 20 laps, 20 laps, and 10 laps to the NASCAR Open. Now, in the Cup Series All-Star Race, Texas Motor Speedway, uh, that race will follow the NASCAR Open starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, Fox Sports 1 will have pre-race coverage starting at 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. There are six rounds in the All-Star Race this year. Uh, Rounds 1 through 4 is 15 laps. Round 5 is a 30-lap race. Round 6 is a 10-lap shootout. So talk about wild and crazy. Uh, it's going to be a fun all-star race out there at Texas Motor Speedway.
1: So far, what we've seen uh, most certainly, you know, we've seen it regularly at Charlotte and Bristol, but I think Texas is going to add to that list of great all-star, as well as our all-star open uh, races. I'll give some updates there. The all-star laps for charity, uh, presented by SWAT Roofing and Contracting, kicks off the weekend at Texas. The Speedway Children's Charities and Texas Chapter will provide NASCAR all-star race fans with the opportunity to hit the track with their own vehicles near hours before their heroes compete for the $1 million to win prize uh, with the June, June 13th All-Star Laps for Charity presented by SWAT Roofing and Contracting. Participants will be experience the uh, thrill of driving around the 1.5-mile Speedway Oval, from 8 to 10 a.m., and it will benefit local children who are in need. A $50 donation provides three laps on the track, all, speed, all proceeds going to the Speedway Children's Charities Texas Chapter. Uh, pre-registration is required. All drivers must be 18 years of age or older. Passengers must be at least six years of age. Safety belts will be worn at all, by all occupants. Electric cars are prohibited. Uh, and the Texas Motor Texas Motor Speedway pace car will set the speed limit. You can fa- visit uh, SpeedwayCharities.org/backslash/Texas for for more information and just register so you can get pre-registered.
0: Okay, well that's a pretty cool event for uh, fans. know, uh, also Sammy Hager is going to play during the pre-race festivities at NASCAR uh, for the All-Star Race. He's uh, Sammy Hager and fellow guitarist Vic Johnson are playing Hager's classic guitar rock song, I Can't Drive 55, as part of the pre-race festivities for the 37th Annual NASCAR All-Star Race on June 13th at Texas. The two guitarists will perform the 1984 radio and MTV hit from the stage located in the Texas Motor Speedway Grandstand at Section PL 102. So Hager rose to fame in the 1970s with the band Montrose and now classic Rock Candy. He then began a very successful solo career with songs like "There's Only One Way to Rock," "Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy," and "Bad Motor Scooter," <laughs> his success continued as his lead singer for Van Halen, as the lead singer for Van Halen from 1985 to 1996. Since 2014, he's played in the supergroup Sammy Hager and the Circle with Johnson on guitar former Van Halen bassist Michael Anthony on bass, and Jason Bonham, son of legendary Led Zeppelin and drummer John Bonham, on the drums. So uh, Hager performed previously at Texas Motor Speedway on November 8th in 2015 during pre-race festivities for the 2015 NASCAR Cup Series race. So uh, fans uh, out there at Texas Motor Speedway will definitely want to take that in.
1: Well, I mean, he's one of the best, but there's some others that are best in the Lone Star State on the track. Now, since this weekend will be the first time the NASCAR Cup Series has held the NASCAR All-Star Race and Open at Fort Worth Texas Motor Speedway, the best data to look at heading into Sunday is how the drivers have performed in the points-paying races at the famed 1.5-mile Texas track. Seven former NASCAR Cup Series Texas Motor Speedway winners are entered into this weekend, and seven are already into the NASCAR All-Star Race. Start with Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch as he leads the series amongst active drivers in points-paying races. uh, Points-paying race wins at Texas Motor Speedway. That's four victories including this series most recent visit to the track last season. He's got wins in 2013, 16, 18, and then 2020. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Dillon also grabbed a win at Texas Motor Speedway last season. Besides Bush, Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin and Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick are the only other active drivers multiple wins at Texas. Uh, Mentioned Kyle Busch leading there with his four wins. Kevin Harvick has three coming in uh, 2017, 18, and 19. Denny Hamlin had a sweep in 2010 and then picked up a victory in 2019. Mentioned Austin Dillon with one in 2020. Joey Logano got one in 2014. Kurt Busch's came back in 2009. And you can never count out Ryan Newman, and he's got a victory there back in 2003. Uh, The fan vote is still underway at
0: Texas Motor Speedway as well. Uh, So the fan vote is still going strong for the big event at Texas Motor Speedway. Voting will be open until Friday at noon Eastern. So here's a roundup of the top five drivers as of June the 9th. The top five vote getters in alphabetical order include Chase Briscoe, Matt DiBenedetto, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, and Bubba Wallace. Fans can vote for one eligible driver once a day per unique email address. Votes shared on Facebook and Twitter will count as bonus entries for a total of four votes per day. To complete the NASCAR All-Star Race, uh, drivers must be a NASCAR Cup Series winner in 2020 or 2021, or be a full-time driver who was a previous series champion. The stage winners and overall race winner in the NASCAR Open uh, and the fan vote winner will also be eligible for the race. So as fans, you have a big part in all of this, and you still have time to vote. So you want to get over to NASCAR.com and get your vote in.
1: And I think that is one of the coolest interactive things that that goes along with this All-Star Weekend. But we'll have to wait and see how that Open goes. Uh, And we're going to take a dive into that, the NASCAR Open. Now, the NASCAR Open was first introduced into the All-Star format back in 1986 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The first event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Benny Parsons, but it did not grant him entry into the All-Star race. That started the following season. There have been 38 NASCAR Open events one per year since 1986, except in 2001 and 2002. uh, It was held as two events with both winners moving on to the all-star race. Starting in 2015, the Open was broken into segments, and then in 2017, it was divided into stages, and each winner of the segments or the stages earned a spot into the all-star race. A total of 28 different drivers have won the NASCAR Open from 1986 to 2020. Four are active this weekend, and only two are entered into the weekend's Open, uh, Matt Benedetto and Daniel Suarez. The other three former Open winners have already qualified for the All-Star race. So we take a look at the, that list of winners. You've got Kyle Larson has a pair in 2019 and 16. Martin Truex with two, as well, in 2010 and 2007. Mentioned Matt DiBenedetto and uh, Daniel Suarez. DiBenedetto won uh, in 2020, and Suarez in 2017. And then we go back to, again, can't exclude him. Ryan Newman has won in 2000. Sterling Marlin leads the NASCAR Cup Series and NASCAR Open wins with four victories. Uh, 1988, 89, 93, and 2004. Eight of those 28 NASCAR Open winners have multiple wins. Mention Sterling Marlin with four. A.J. Allmendinger, Clint Boyer, Jeremy Mayfield, Martin Truex, Michael Waltrip, Kyle Larson, and Todd Bodine each have two Open victories. And three drivers have won consecutive NASCAR Opens. That includes Sterling Marlin from 88 uh, and 89, and Michael Waltrip did it in 91 and 92 and then Clint Boyer in 2014 and 15, And Ryan Newman in 2002 and Kyle Larson in 2019 are the only two drivers to win the NASCAR Open and the All-Star Race in the same weekend. Among the 22 drivers vying for the coveted wins this weekend in the NASCAR Open can move on to that All-Star Race. you have got Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick has the best average finish in points-paying races at Texas Motor Speedway uh, with a series-leading 8.5 in his two starts so far. Right behind him is Richard Petty Motorsports' Eric Jones with an average finish of 10.3 in points-paying races at Texas. So a lot of good drivers in that Open, and I say that always seems to be one of the wildest races of the year. Next, we're going to take a look at who's already locked into that main event for the 2021 NASCAR All-Stars. I'm sorry, Jay.
0: I was on mute.
1: Yeah, you're good.
0: Okay. So, yeah, we're going to look at who's already locked into the main event. Uh, and those people who are the 2021 NASCAR All-Stars heading into this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. 17 different drivers have earned their spots in the NASCAR All-Star race this uh, Sunday. And again, it starts at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now, to be eligible... Uh, this season, the driver must have won a Cup Points race event in either this year or last year, so 2020 or 2021. They also could have won a NASCAR All-Star race and competed full-time or have won a NASCAR Cup Series championship and also competing full-time. So going down the list here, uh, why don't we go two-by-two? Uh, and kind of give the details here, Jay. I'll start with uh Kurt Bush at Chip Ganassi Racing with Pre-Chief Matt McCall. Uh and he is uh a twenty twenty one is he a winner in twenty twenty one?
1: I don't I'm know what the twenty one. The year for. the year of the co- oh, of when uh you know I'm not sure how that's listed. Because they're all 2021. Well, let's just say he's driving the is. Chevrolet. Big, yeah, I think it means it's a 2021 Chevrolet, which they should all be current years, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the next driver is uh, car number two. That's Brad Keselowski with Team Penske. He'll have Jeremy. Clem, I'm sorry, Jeremy Bolins, uh, and he'll be driving, of course, a Team Penske Ford.
1: Matching up so far line by line, the number three, that'll be Austin Dillon for Richard Childress Racing, Justin Algar or Justin Alexander as his crew chief in the uh, Childress Racing Chevrolet. Just put whatever name we want in there, right? And then uh, number four, that'll be Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing Ford with Rodney Childress as his crew chief.
0: I'm laughing because uh, it just means I'm not the only one who does that.
1: So, thank you. Hey, that's right. <laughs> no problem.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, next up in the number five is Kyle Larson for Hendrick Motorsports. You'll have Cliff Daniels at the top of his box, uh, and he'll be racing the HMS Chevrolet. Uh, next in the number six is Ryan Newman with Rosh Fenway Racing. He has Scott Graves as his crew chief for his Ford.
1: Next, we got a Hendrick Motorsports uh, Chevrolet, the number nine of Chase Elliott with Alan Gustafson making the calls. And in the 11, that'll be Chris Gabert talking to Denny Hamlin on the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Okay, and the number 12 is Ryan Blaney driving
0: the Team Penske Ford with Todd Gordon as his crew chief. And in the number 18, of course, is Kyle Busch. For Joe Gibbs Racing, with Ben Bashore at the top of the pit box uh, for his uh, number 18 Toyota,
1: hitting another pair of Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas, we got <laughs> excuse me, we got Martin Truex Jr. in the number 19 with James Small as his crew chief, and familiar crew chief Adam Stevens this year with Christopher Bell in that number 20.
0: Okay, and the number 22 is another Team Penske car, or another Team Penske Ford. Uh, that is Joey Logano with Paul Wolf as his crew chief. And Rudy Fugel is the crew chief for William Byron's number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet.
1: Special edition this year, uh, returning at Daytona, Drew Blickenstorff as the crew chief. But you got Michael McDowell in a front row motorsports Ford, the number thirty-four, uh, earned his way in. And then last year you had Stuart Haas racing uh Ford of number forty one, Cole Custer, still riding on that victory, and you got Mike Shiplett uh running the ship there as the crew chief.
0: Okay, and the last driver in is the number forty eight for Alex Bowman. He'll be driving the uh, Hendrix Motorsports Chevrolet, and Greg Ives is his crew chief. Of the 17 drivers already entered in the NASCAR All-Star Race, eight have scored wins in the yearly exhibition event led by Kevin Harvick, with two All-Star victories in 2018 and in 2007. The 2020 Series champion Chase Elliott is the most recent NASCAR All-Star Race winner, bringing home a victory from Bristol Motor Speedway last season. So uh, active All-Star winners, again, Kevin Harvick with two from 2018 and 2007. Chase Elliott in 2020. All the rest of these have one win. Uh, Chase Elliott in 2020. Kyle Larson in 2019. Kyle Busch in 2017, Joy Logano in 2016, Denny Hamlin in 2015, Kurt Busch in 2010, and Ryan Newman in 2002. In total, 21 drivers will make a start in this season's All-Star Race. Four additional positions are added to the uh, field following the NASCAR Open The NASCAR Open Stage 1 winner, the NASCAR Open Stage 2 winner, and then the NASCAR Open Race winner and the fan vote winner will all get a spot in the All-Star Race.
1: All right, we're going to scroll up here and give you a little bit of a breakdown for the All-Star Race uh, and the Open format. Again, mentioned it's become one of the sport's most innovative exhibition events the NASCAR All-Star Race, uh, where formats and technical elements can be tested on a gram scale, and this weekend's spectacular uh, will be no different. And NASCAR and uh, Texas Motor Speedway announced earlier this season the format, technical elements, and pre-race festivities for the 2021 NASCAR All-Star Race. The event, which moved to TMS for the first time in its 36 race history, will have a Fort Worth feel as the pre-race festivities will feature an old Western theme during driver introduction, so that ought to be entertaining. <laughs> um, <laughs> we start with the All-Star race format. Uh, this year, the race will feature six rounds for a total of 100 laps. The starting lineup for round one is going to be determined via random draw. Rounds one through four will be 15 laps each. Round five will be 30 laps. And the final round will be back down to a 10-lap shootout. Now, At the beginning of round's two, the field is going to be inverted via random draw, which will include a minimum of eight or a maximum of 12, which will be live on FS1. And the, random, the round two random draw will also be seen to be live by fans attending the race on their Big Hoss TV. Now, before the start of round three, the entire field will be inverted, the beginning of round four. Then we're going to go back to the field to be inverted via random draw uh, between 8 and 12. And then starting positions for round 5, that will consist of the cumulative finish from rounds 1 through 4. Lowest cumulative uh, finisher starts on the pole, second lowest uh, second, and so forth. Now all cars must enter pit road for a mandatory four-tire pit stop during round 5. The starting positions in the final round that will be set by the finishing positions of round five. Only green flags laps will count in the NASCAR all-star race. And The fastest team on pit road during the mandatory pit stop, that team earns a $100,000 bonus. And then the race winner, that gets a $1 million paycheck. From the technical side, all elements uh, of the car remain the same, except for the taper space, tapered spacer, which will now be fifty-seven sixty-four. And the open update, that'll run immediately prior to the NASCAR All-Star race. That'll include three segments of 20 laps, 20 laps, and 10 laps. I mentioned the winner of each segment will earn a spot in the All-Star race as the winner of the fan vote. And fans may vote for their favorite driver yet by visiting nascar.com for details. That's till noon Eastern tomorrow.
3: Okay.
0: Okay, so... uh We've got uh, most of this in here tonight, and uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour, which means that uh, we're ready for NASCAR Hot Topics Sound Off. I know uh, Tommy is planning to join us tonight, and Andy was going to try to make it. Uh, It was kind of a 50-50 chance whether or not he would make it uh, sometime within the hour, Uh, or I guess it would have to be half hour here. So uh let's bring Tommy in the queue and welcome him to the show. Welcome, Tommy.
4: Hey, thanks for having me back.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. Uh we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh Andy may join us uh, at some point, uh but and we'll bring him into the queue when he does come on. Uh but uh why don't you kick us off, Tommy?
4: Let's talk about uh, Jeff Gordon possibly leaving the booth um, for a larger role at Hendrick Motorsports.
0: Okay. Jay?
1: Well, I didn't realize that this had actually been a possibility before. Uh, We all knew that his role at Hendrick Motorsports was going to eventually uh, increase uh, the fact that uh, he's going to possibly now leave uh, Fox Sports. Um, I'm kind of torn on this I I really like the dynamic they have There with Fox Sports between him and Clint Boyer uh, and I Understand the need uh, For him to move if he's going to Take on that bigger role at Hendrick Motorsports I'd kind of like to see it Maybe happen a little bit slower over a Couple of years uh, as that Increases Uh, Fox only Covers the first half of the season uh, But I don't know the roles that, That he's planning on taking on or what it all Entails so I can't say he could manage to do both, but I do like it, uh, not only him as a driver analyst, but I do like it when they have an owner analyst up there in the booth as well. Uh, we've seen that in the past from Brad Daugherty, and I, I, I like that aspect to it. Uh, so I selfishly, again, I, I, like I said, I enjoy the, the combination of him and Boyer in the, in the booth right now, so I'd like to see that continue at least for another year or two.
0: Okay. Uh I'm not at all surprised by it because uh we've known for a long time uh that Jeff Gordon is the heir apparent and we talked about this uh, a while ago uh Mike wrote an article uh about the age of our team owners and that uh there is about to be a big uh, rollover if you will of uh you know younger people taking over those roles within those organizations so uh, jeff gordon is certainly the the person that everybody anticipates taking over at hendrick motorsports when rick hendrick decides to retire so i i kind of think he's doing it in a good way i think he's going to get in there if he he's still contemplating at this point so he hasn't really decided one way or the other Uh, but I think it would be a good idea for him to take some time, get into the organization, get his feet kind of grounded, if you will, within the organization. And then um, it's kind of tough, I think, for a team like Kendrick Motorsports to kind of do that dual role and, and still be in a broadcast booth. But if he wanted to do some guest appearances or, uh, you know, kind of dabble with it a little bit, if you will, I don't know if that's the right way of saying that. Uh, I just don't see him going back full time as a broadcaster at Fox Sports. uh, But I could see him playing a lesser role in the broadcast booth once he does take over those ownership responsibilities. Uh, But this is just kind of getting his feet grounded, I think, to see what his role would be uh, in the transition time frame as well as eventually as a team owner. Uh, so I think it's a good move if he decides to do it. Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts.
4: Uh, I'm not ready to see Jeff leave the booth yet either. Um, him and Clint have a good combo <laughs> going. Um, so I don't really want to see it in, but uh, at the same time, I'm – kinda of surprised if I mean I don't think Rick Hendrick's gonna retire yet, so but um it sounds like he's ready to get Jeff Gordon more involved, so maybe it's coming in the near future sooner rather than later. So but um I would be curious to see who Fox would replace with um Gordon with. That would be my next thoughts because NBC Sports is ending at the end of the year, and they were talking about going to um, USA or something like that. Well, where is Junior and Burton and Rick Allen going to go? So maybe maybe Junior is a possibility possibly. Um, But I also saw where maybe NBC will just resume um, getting um, back involved, so maybe Junior will just stay. But, um, yeah, I'd hate to see it end because I like uh, Jeff. He was my favorite driver back then and I, I like the 24 car now especially with that reverse paint scheme of like the rainbow car uh, so yeah don't want to see it in yet he and Clint have got it going
1: well Tommy, Tommy kind of led into uh to my second round of thoughts here uh with that of, of who replaces him and first off, I, I think it is a good move of, of the slower transition. You don't want to put, a, put Gordon in a spot where Hendrick says, okay, this is, this is it. I'm done. You need to take over now without some type of uh, followership or, or being in there already hands-on. So I think that's kind of what we're looking at here is, is Hendrick, again, may not retire fully retire for five years, but you don't want to wait until that fifth year to say, okay, you're taking over now. So from that aspect, it does make sense. As he said, it's increasing the role, uh, not necessarily taking it over as of yet. And the other thing that Tommy mentioned there that got me thinking, and I already kind of had in my head, uh, we're looking at some drivers that may be retiring here in in the near future and not say I've heard anything specific, but Kevin Harvick being one of them. And we have seen him do some different things in the booth as well. So that might be opening up a spot for the next driver that's going to retire and wants to get into broadcasting.
0: Yeah, I think those are good points. And, uh, you know, I think there is an influx of uh, drivers going to the broadcast booth. And uh, so that that uh, opening up is probably a good thing. And I can imagine uh, there's a number of drivers that would be in line for that. Uh, and no matter who it is, uh, Clint Boyer is going to make it interesting. So uh, we know Clint Boyer is going to stay, and uh, I think that's a good thing. So, Tommy, your follow-up?
4: Well, going back to the uh, owner uh commentator perspective. Um, Bill Junior kinda does it with the Xfinity series and when Tony Stewart steps in the booth uh to also do the Xfinity series I believe he was you know, they don't like seeing their cars wrecked, but um yeah, just to add back to it, I think you're right. Whoever Clint is in the booth with, he's gonna make it interesting for sure. But um I don't wanna see Harvick retire yet and uh or Newman or Bush. I want to see them continue racing, even if they have to change cars in the coming up years.
0: Okay. Okay. So uh, that brings us to the next topic, Jay.
1: Well, it's ironic that you mentioned that. I mean, we have seen it. We're looking at Brad Keselowski possibly being one to change teams. Uh, Kevin Harvick, I don't think, is in that position yet, but we never know what happens. The one thing I look at, though, is the seats that are going to be available. Uh, as I think it came out, let me pull that back up from Twitter, uh, recently anyway, in the last day or two, Trackhouse Racing has been the one to say they're looking at expanding to two teams next year. Another first-year team, just like uh, 2311 with Danny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, that they're already looking at expanding to two teams next year.
0: Okay. Uh, Tommy, you want to take the first uh, crack at that one?
4: <laughs> so I saw where Kurt Busch is linked to both of those second cars for Trackhouse and 2311. So, um, you know, Ryan Newman's got somewhere. Uh, he's got to go somewhere now since the two car. Uh, Brad Kozlowski is going to be in the six car. Uh, the two car will be open. Hopefully, maybe Cindric will get that so that way Matt DiBenedetto can be in the 21. But uh, who knows? And then if he leaves, then he'll have to go somewhere. So maybe he could go to 2311 or um, the track house ride. Um, it's just crazy that these teams are already expanding just after one year. Um, I think at one point weren't we talking about Roush maybe going three cars also that would be awesome maybe they could bring the ninety seven car back but yeah it's exciting and you know I always bring it up but I mean pitbulls involved I mean money money Mayweather wanted to be in it uh, there was rumors out there that celebrities are trying to get involved into it now and that there's like two or three new owners that are unidentified yet that want to get involved, and, yeah, you know, it's just crazy. But um, I'm glad because more competitive cars, better racing uh, drivers out there. And then speaking of, I mean, Harrison Burton, who's going to be a rookie next year, Cause Ty Gibbs is putting pressure on him, Rick and all those guys and Brandon Jones. So Toyota has got to do something with all these guys. And then, you know, John and Niemicek. So there's a bunch of possibilities for that uh, track house ride. And I'm really excited because I like all this expansion and craziness going on. It is definitely silly season already.
0: <laughs> yep. When we've been talking about how every year it seems like it gets earlier and earlier, um, yeah, I, there's big money behind both of those teams, 2311, as well as Trackhouse Racing. So in a way, it doesn't surprise me uh, that these guys want to be on a fast track to building their organizations. And uh, uh, I think a second team for Trackhouse, uh, uh, you know, so The time always tells the rest of the story on whether it was a good idea or not a good idea. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what time tells us. uh, Looking at it from this side, uh, I think it is a good idea. Uh, And, you know, the management of the team, if they bring on a second team, uh, management seems to be pretty confident of being able to do that. So uh, I think we should just trust in that and and see how it goes. Uh, But I think it's a good idea. And I don't know who the drivers are in contention, but you guys have mentioned some really good uh, candidates for for those second-team uh, drivers, and so there's plenty of people available.
1: Jay, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, first off, something Tommy said there, and I know we all like to think it, but we got to be careful about saying that Brad Keselowski is moving to Roush Fenway. That has not been confirmed yet. Uh, It has been strongly reported as all but done, but it has not been announced or confirmed yet. Uh, Same with Kurt Busch leaving Chip Ganassi Racing. That hasn't been confirmed yet either, but it did say that they have talked to him. They know he's in a contract year uh, and that both teams have talked to him. So there again, you're looking at at veteran driver leadership if if they are looking to go down that road. And you look at the uh, the fact that they might be expanding to two cars. Uh, I want to say this of of the first year teams, comparing them with the twenty three eleven. I think that they have put up better results. And I was trying to pull up the driver standings. I know neither one of them is uh, at the top of the list here as that loads up. But overall, I think that they have had better runs and performance than the twenty three eleven with Bubba Wallace. I like where they're at, but uh, I just feel like Trackhouse has done a little bit better. And looking at the standings now, what are we looking for? Daniel Suarez. Okay, they're really close. Uh, Bubba Wallace actually is higher in points at 298 to 293 of Daniel Suarez. So seven points or six points, whatever it is, uh, does favor Bubba Wallace. But just it seemed to me that on-track performance, from what I've seen, they've had much stronger runs. When um, we talk about that, of, of the two-car team at a minimum seems to at least work best. Uh, we saw Roush Fenway go down to two teams. Uh, our, uh, JTG is another one. Uh, that two-car team seemed to work really well. I know Penske was holding to that until they moved to three, and now might can be even be considered a 4 but until they're ready to go to that operation, I think a two-car team is a good thing. And we mentioned this of the uh, next-gen car next to coming out next year. They said that was the time to get involved. Trackstar and uh, 2311 kind of got a jump on it with running this year. But with next year and the next-gen car, that's when they really anticipate. So I think we're seeing the prefruits of that already this year and these teams thus then looking to expand to two cars.
0: Okay, Tommy, your follow-up?
4: Yeah, I was just going to add that I remember Suarez was leading at the uh, Bristol Dirt Race, and he had never really raced on dirt before. So I think you're right. I feel like he has been more at the front than Bubba has. Um, But it is kind of early for both of those teams to be expanding to two teams. But, it's still exciting because like I said, that just creates two open rides and with everything going on, all these rumors out there, you know, that aren't confirmed yet, but, you know, like to speculate and everything, but I wanted to add that calling racing, you know, they got AJ digger and um, Kaz Grala that they've been, you know, prepping, I guess, Justin Haley. I mean, so there's, there's just a bunch of drivers out there and these are more opportunities and it's exciting to uh, to see because I, I just, and I'd like to see all these uh, other teams go back to four cars like Roush and um, Penske. And it would be cool to see an O two 2 uh, back with a Penske like Newman had back in the day. And, uh, you know, Eric Almirola struggled this year. So maybe the 10 car will be open. Uh, maybe Newman could, you know, go there if he actually does have to leave the six car. You know, it's just crazy, all these possibilities out there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think there are a lot of possibilities. But, Jay, I think you kind of uh, uh, hit the nail on the head a little bit there with that. We've got the 2022 uh, Gen next-generation car coming up, and the whole intent of that car was to reduce the cost of doing business to make it easier for teams to expand and to come into the sport. And you've got College Racing talking about uh, running a full-time team next year in the uh, Cup Series, uh, and you've got these two teams all talking about expanding to two-car operations. So it makes sense to me that this is the fruit of their labor, uh, the fact that they're talking about making those expansions uh, within the sport. And I think it's just the beginning. I think we're going to hear more as time goes on uh, with that regard. Uh, But uh, I I do think that – I think the difference between Daniel Suarez and Bubba Wallace – Uh, I think the difference there is that more recently, uh, Daniel Suarez seems to be doing uh, the better racing of the two. Uh, Bubba has been up there, but has not been consistently uh, running uh, at those higher levels. Daniel Suarez has been running up in the top uh, 10 on a pretty consistent pace this year of late. And so I think that's what the difference is. I think he's going to continue uh, to go up that list, and I think he will supersede Bubba Wallace when it's all said and done. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out, but but that's just my take on it uh, and some thoughts that I thought I'd share there. But uh, this next-gen car I think is – is making a big difference on these teams being able to expand to that second car uh, with the cost uh, initiatives that have been put into place. So, Jay, what are your final thoughts?
1: Well, there's a couple of things there. Uh, again, Tommy, it was ironic you brought up Ryan Newman possibly going to the 10 of Stewart House Racing because I believe that's where he was forced out of uh, when Eric Almarola moved over. Uh, so that would be a little ironic if he were to return to Stuart Haas Racing, again, if indeed he has to move uh, based on the route, uh, Keselowski deal. And the other one you brought up, and I, I've been with you, and I was excited about it, but that's starting to waver. I think with the Floyd Mayweather, the money money team, uh, I'm going to have to wait until we see where the money is where, where his mouth is. Uh, Mayweather is known for hype. And I just I saw a lot of hype, but I haven't seen any action behind it yet. And I haven't heard a lot, whole lot of rumor again about it lately. So uh, I'm not putting my hopes on that very strong anymore. If it happens, good. I would like to see it, but I'm not seeing that one. These two teams, as well as Sharon mentioned college, or somebody mentioned Collegar Racing. Uh, I think those are for sure three ones we're going to see next year. And colleg Racing has said the same thing. They are gear pretty much guaranteeing they're going to run one full-time car next year leaving that possibility of running a second one uh, part-time at least and I know that came with the discussion of drivers and where they're going to fit in the one thing I look at in the good of all this uh, on multiple reasons especially we talk about Team 2311 and uh, Daniel Suarez with Trackhouse Racing yes we're seeing them in the top 10 they're 20th, they're twenty. When they I say, 20-something in points, uh, 21st and 22nd. They're not top-tier teams yet, but they aren't backmarkers either. And the more teams we get in that are running competitively, uh, you know, maybe it is only at certain tracks or whatever, at least mixing it up, see the more of the mix of that, I think we get a better show from NASCAR as a whole. And I, I know Sharon and I have had this discussion, you want to see 40, competitive teams. You know, they may not be top five teams, all of them, but at least competitive where they're up there once in a while, or you see them mix it up in the top 10 every other race or so. And I think the more we see that, the better it's going to be. And then possibly a change to the charter system, which uh, I think everybody here on fan for racing is kind of looking to see that change as we get these more competitive teams uh, so that in the event that they do send teams home, It is because they just got outrun, you know. I mean, that week they got outrun.
0: Okay. Uh, I guess that's the last word on that. Tell me what's your next topic.
4: Let's go with, um, since we were talking about all these driver changes and everything, let's go with Greg Irwin out as crew chief for Benedetto.
1: Okay. Jay? Okay. I gotta say, this was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, I think uh, Irwin is a, is a great uh, crew chief. I know that De Benedetto hasn't had the strongest of seasons. I wonder possibly if this isn't an indication of what's going to happen down the road in the future. If De Benedetto is moving to another team. Uh, as it is right now, he is supposed to be out of the 21. Is that's where Austin Sindrick was slated to go? That may change, but we've seen this in the past, where say the crew chief leaves first, wherever DiBenedetto signs, Irwin resurfaces. That's a possibility. Uh, I do understand, like I said, they haven't exactly had the strongest of season, especially where they finished last year. We expected more of them, so it is that kind of a uh, you know it's not working. We got to make a change for the better. Uh, right now here and now So I wouldn't count them out for the rest of this season either But like I said it was a little bit shocking As those seemed to, two did seem to pair real well together
0: Okay Yeah I, I guess I was a little bit surprised But you bring up some good points You know uh, We know that DiBenedetto is going to be moving next year We don't know where he's going to be moving to just yet uh, But Uh, It makes sense that perhaps his crew chief would be moving, but the Benedetto has come so close to possibly getting a win. And I did read some things where they felt like uh, some of the decisions that Greg Irwin was making um, were kind of counterproductive to him making progress uh, to the point that he could go out there and win the race. Um, So, I I don't know if those things are true. I'm just telling you what I've read on social media. Um, So there could be, don't rule out the thought that they could have been uh, leaving for just cause. And, you know, he'll be, we always know that these coochies land on their feet uh, because there's plenty of jobs available. But uh, I do think that that's a possibility as well. So, But you bring up some good points too, Jay, so uh, I'm going to go to Tommy next to get what his thoughts are.
4: Yeah, it's almost mid-season, so it's kind of surprising to see it happen now. Um, why not just maybe finish it out, but maybe if it's kind of like you said, I was kind of seeing the same thing on Twitter, that some of the decisions lately have been questionable, I guess, is kind of what I was reading too, but I mean, they were they had success last year. I mean, you know, it just he's in a slump now, but like you said, he's finished second so many times. I mean, he can break through. I mean, it could definitely happen at Daytona or Talladega. He's always bordering – well, he was bordering the playoff cut line last year, and I think he even made it. Um, and that's where he's at again this year. So, I mean, he's he, – I mean, he's just – one good run away from getting the win and now they're going to change crew chiefs but maybe it'll be for the better maybe this new crew chief can change it up or something maybe it's just what he needs and um and then thinking like jay too maybe maybe this is an indication of what's to come because maybe Austin cindric will just get in that 21 car and uh the two will remain the same but um if he leave, does leave the 21 car it sounds like there's options out there uh, like 2311 with Denny Hamlin. Um, you know, he finished second to him at Bristol a couple of years ago, and then now track house. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities out there.
0: Yes, indeed. Jay, your follow-up thoughts?
1: Yeah, Tom and Tommy hit on, on it there. I don't think he'll be unemployed long, and I'm not even sure if he's unemployed or if they just moved him somewhere else within the organization, but... Uh, especially we just talked about four or five opportunities for next year. And and I definitely think he has the credentials to be one of the top candidates for any one of those, uh, those spots. So I don't see him as name as going away. Uh, We'll see it resurface uh, in the garage here sooner rather than later. It, It might be at the beginning of next year with one of these other teams, but uh, with Matt DiBenedetto, uh, like you said, we kind of expected to, as they grow, you expect him to move up a little, uh, and he's kind of in, like you said, that same position. He's currently 17th outside the playoffs, having to look to get up 30-some points, and you mentioned a couple of races maybe that, yeah, it was the crew chief decision um, that that cost him a better finish. I won't say a win, but a better finish. So uh maybe they did decide that, you know, that there were a couple of those couple of spots just too much that they, they wanted to give somebody else the opportunity to uh, to see if they can call it better, but uh I wouldn't expect to see his name uh disappear completely. He'll surface back up somewhere. Okay.
0: Uh, I, we're at that time of the night that I'm going to make an announcement for our first time listeners. Uh, and that's just to let you know that we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation though, and you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. As soon as we finish up here, I'll go out on Twitter. Uh, to let people know that the podcast is now available. And for those of you that have listened up to that 2-hour mark, all you have to do is fast forward to the 2-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, we don't like to take anybody by surprise, uh, especially if we're going to go out there in mid-sentence. Uh, we just want to alert our first-time listeners especially uh, that it's going to happen. But we got you covered uh, with the uh, bonus overtime material, and you can still hear the rest of that conversation. So with that, uh, I'll just say that uh, uh, Matt <clears throat> uh deserves to have a good crew chief. Uh, he's really paid his dues, and you never know. Sometimes crew chiefs and drivers don't mesh up as well. Um, just simply moving them to another team can make a huge difference for both the crew chief and the driver. So uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing uh, that he's going to be getting a crew chief. It's probably disappointing to everybody that it's happening this time of the year and, you know, that uh, he has to go through that uh, learning curve again uh, with the team getting to know one another. But, uh overall, uh, you never know. It could be a, a very positive move. Uh, and it, another idea for why the crew chief change may have happened is they know who's going to be in that car next year. And maybe uh, the incoming driver uh, is going to bring his own crew chief with him. Uh, to that number 21 Wood Brothers car So you never know There could be a couple different angles Going on here So Jay your follow up thoughts
1: That kind of kind of Was uh, my, mine as far as follow up There um, With that we're not sure What the reason is and we'll have to see what The outcome is but I do think There's something in play there that maybe it's Not just about performance right now although it certainly could be considered that, I think some of it is more about starting to shuffle for the future as well.
0: Okay. Okay, Tommy. No, that, that was Tommy's. Jay, you're up for the next to- topic.
1: Well, again, I think you were testing me on my phone earlier. I'm not sure if you were testing me here <laughs> on this one, but I got a topic Mike brought up Uh the NASCAR issues the rule changes for Super Speedways and uh, for the rest of the year. And if you want, you want me to read his comments after everybody else goes around once, or I'll read them uh, now.
0: You can go ahead and read them now.
1: All right. He says, uh, thumbs up for reinforcing the cars, thumbs down for slowing them down. Until I see some reasonable data that seven to ten miles per hour will make one lick of difference. It really feels like they do something for the sake of doing something. Change a collision at 190 is really not that much different than one at 200. I think that was his only yeah that was his only comment under it. Okay.
0: Okay. So, Tommy, your thoughts? It's
4: about like Mike. I'm glad that they put the uh, extra bar there for the, you know the, the more safety and everything because I feel like the more bars the better. I feel like every year they're adding another Newman bar. I feel like every Talladega and Daytona accident that's just just another bar to add. But um, yeah, he's he's right. I don't understand why they just keep on. Changing it just a little bit, the speed, and you know, putting tape on the back of the car because they're still sliding everywhere. It's just that's just the way super speedway racing is. I feel like it's just dangerous, but I mean, those guys out there they know the risk and they still do it. They just need to make the cars as safe as possible and just keep on adding the bars, maybe do still decrease the speed, um, but. I don't want to see them go back to that two-car drafting again. I mean, it was it did have some thrilling finishes and everything, but it's just the pack racing is what the fans want to see.
0: Okay. Um, with regard to slowing down the cars, um, this is all in response to Joe Logano's incident where his car flipped over. I don't really like seeing the cars flip over that way. It's very scary for the fans. It's very scary for the drivers uh, and the drivers' families. Uh, so I think if they're doing it to kind of prevent that from happening, uh, I all the power to them as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think it's a good move. But um, uh, I get what you guys are saying, being at a super speedway, you want the cars to go fast. But I think... Uh, if you if you really put it on the scales and weigh it out, what's more important, driver safety or you know having the cars go fast? I'd have to vote for the driver safety every time. So uh, that's just my take on it. But uh, um, is it a knee jerk reaction? It might be a knee jerk reaction, but uh, we've seen more recently more cars flipping over. And those kinds of incidents happening, uh, there was Ryan Newman and then Joey Logano, uh, and I'm trying to think if there were any in between those two. But uh, those two alone, uh, I think, give NASCAR justification for why they're, they're put implementing some changes in order to prevent those cars from being put into that type of a situation. So for me, it's all good. Uh, but, Jay, I want to hear your thoughts.
1: Well, they kind of run parallel to that with with, with Mike and with what Tommy said. The the bars, the safety aspect, most certainly, a hundred percent. Do what you ever you can as far as safety as soon as you possibly can. Uh, you know that I wouldn't call the knee jerk reaction, but the slowing the cars down. That's where I agree with Mike. Of I don't see the change in seven to ten miles per hour being the issue as far as the cars getting airborne. To me, and I look at Joey Logano's, it is the bump he gets once he gets turned sideways. And that comes from the more you slow these cars down, the harder they are to pass. The more cars that are around each other, the more opportunity you have for that. And that's where I think Mike is saying that you're not doing something necessarily to actually prevent the rollover of the car. You're just showing that, hey, we're slowing them down okay, that's not what's causing it. It is not the speed. They're going to get airborne at 160 up to 210. Uh, you know, and I go back at, back in the day, and I think it was Bobby Allison's of one car airborne getting into the fence. Bad situation. That's where the catch, catch fence comes from and some other safety in, innovations. But it was one car because he was by himself. Now, especially if it's in the front part of the pack, one car is going to get hit or bounced around by 20 other cars. And I think that's where you need to try and, and I don't want to say separate the pack where you have one car that much faster than the other, but where you can pull out and pass and not be bumper to bumper. And I know Tommy said, that's kind of what the fans like to see, but it's really not. Uh, I think, and I know Sharon was kind of on this, the two car tandems, you got them separated a little bit. There was still good racing. There was strategy because they had to swap up. And then you had another two-car make the pass or two-car can make the pass. So I thought you saw a lot more maneuvering then than what you do now because, again, if you're third, fourth in line, and you're, especially if you're in the middle, you got cars to your outside and your inside, you can't make a pass. The only thing you can do is drive forward into the car in front of you, possibly bump them wrong. And cause that wreck. So I think that's what NASCAR needs to look at. And I know with the arrow that they're looking at with the next gen car is supposedly supposed to be that be better about that of that second and third car not getting dirty air and being able to pull out and pass. And I'm hoping that's productive on the super speedways. I know the two super speedways are kind of a beast on their own as far as getting the package right. But I think that's what, what needs to be looked at is is kind of how to get the cars separated, not necessarily by big gaps of speed, but being able to run by themselves competitive against the line of two or three.
0: Okay, sounds like some good points, Tommy. Your follow-up?
4: I'm all for the safety. Uh, I just don't see where the decreasing speed really makes a difference. The cars are still going to get airborne, um, but they, this is what NASCAR does. They always respond to the changes. I mean, it, there, it's a good thing that they react the way that they do, but I mean, it just, this one just feels like it really doesn't, you know, make a difference. And the the tape thing doesn't even make a difference in my opinion either because they still bump and they still wreck. I mean, Joey's still flipped and that they had the tape on that and they didn't have it on Newman's, and there was still that wreck. So, I mean, either way, the cars are still getting airborne. Um, I just – I love the pack racing. I always have. It's To me, it's the most entertaining when they're all side-by-side like that. It reminds me of the early two thousand Talladega and Daytonas, and that's what I missed. Um, I feel like from 01 to 07 or 08 were, like, some of the, the best – Street plate Play races I saw, and uh, I really enjoy watching it like that again, but I mean, I'm all about the safety, too. I want them guys to be okay, walk away from all those nasty accidents that happen, but that's just a product of when they go to the super speedway racing, because, I mean, even, they even had some of some nasty crashes in the tandem cars, I feel like, if I remember, but they did have some close finishes in that tandem drafting. I just... The the pack race is just different to me.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add. Um, I just, uh, again, I feel like they're doing it for safety reasons, and I applaud them for that. Uh, I hear what you guys are saying. You have some really, really good points. Um, and I'll be anxious to, to see what they announce as they make their decision uh, about what they're going to do there. So, um, well, they've, they've already made the decision. I'm curious to know what the drivers think of it, especially drivers like Joey Logano and, uh, who, who did that flip over, uh, is he seeing it as something that is going to be good for, for NASCAR racing at the super speedways or not? And, uh, if there's any other drivers that have weighed in. I'm just going through the article here to see, and I don't see anybody weighing in yet. Have you guys seen any uh, feedback from the drivers?
1: I had I had not as far as this particular rule change. If I remember correctly, uh, Joey Logano referenced the spoiler uh, as far as what, what, where he felt the issue was which didn't necessarily greatly affect the speed that was more about the drag and the handling of the cars than the actual speed or outright speed top speed
0: Interesting Okay um is that the final word Jay or did you have something more
1: No I and I say when, when I say that that's from a fan's point looking outward um you know, like Mike said, seen any da- do you see any data or analytics as far as that? I don't think you can provide that because there's no way uh, when a car rolls over for, for there's no going to be no kind of data, no matter what you have on the car, um, that's going to say what caused it. I said that's from my perspective as the as the fan. Obviously, Joey got turned around at the possibility of him rolling over, but I think the chances increased and the damage comes just as we saw with Newman's the damage came from when that next car hit him. Uh, you know, and there again, I understand if you're talking 10 miles an hour less, uh, that maybe the damage isn't as hard. Uh, I think back to I, had a, I actually had a cop when it, when I got pulled over once. So I talking about hitting a deer, and in my mind, I'm like, if I hit a deer at 65 miles an hour versus 70, it's not going to be that huge a difference. But it truly is. I mean, you know, the more speed you have, there is more power behind it. So maybe they do feel that impact from another car is going to be less, won't bend that bar like it did Newman's, if it had been 10 miles an hour slower. So, you know, maybe they do have some type of data that backs that up. So I'm not saying they're not looking into it or making a good decision. It just, at least from the outside, does appear kind of a knee-jerk reaction from the speed aspect of it. Like I said, another bar and safety-wise, most certainly, we are all in favor of that.
0: Okay. Uh, I believe we worked our way through that one. Uh, Tommy, did you have anything more that uh, you wanted to add to our list of hot topics tonight? Uh,
4: no, ma'am. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head right now.
1: Okay, Jay. Jay. Well, see, Tommy, this is where you got to up your game if you're going to be a regular on the show. If you if you don't have one, you just got to kind of throw one out there. <laughs> uh, Monday night we talked about the top four uh, already as far as the championship four at the Cup Series level. So I'll just throw it out there. What's the top four if you were to pick them now on how they're running or want to be in it on the Xfinity side? Oh,
0: on the Xfinity side. Okay, tell me your thoughts about the top four in the Xfinity.
4: I would go with Cindric, Almondigger, Gibbs, and uh, let's go with Algar. I would go with Barry, but he's not going to be full time, so Algar. And I know Gibbs okay. isn't full time either, but he is. The races he's in, he's competitive, it seems like, so I've got to throw him in there even though he's not full-time.
0: Okay. I'm going to say Daniel Hemrick, Austin Sindrick, Um Just going down the list here. I I think, um, I guess, Almondinger. And you got to give kudos to Brandon Jones. He's running third in the series points. He doesn't have a win yet, but the same thing can be said for Justin Haley. So those two, I think, are interchangeable as uh, the next drivers. So I've got Daniel Hemrick, uh, who did they? Austin Sendrick, uh and I guess you got to say A.J. Allmendinger. He's got the two wins. And the other two are interchangeable between Justin Haley and Brandon Jones. That would be my, my guess. So, uh, Tommy, or Jay, who are you for?
1: Well, you've got to put on Austin Sindrick in there, defending champion, three wins already. My second one would actually be Justin Alguire. Uh, I know Junior Motorsports hasn't been as strong, but we've seen this in the past with Algar of getting hot at the right time and the right moment. Third spot, yes, I put Almendinger in there. He does have the two wins, one of them being the road course win. When it comes playoff time, seeing how strong they maintain on all types of track. The next one, I think I'd have to go with Sharon of Daniel Hemmerich. Now, with the others you mentioned, uh, Justin Haley, uh, Jeb Burton, again, we haven't quite seen it be as strong all the way across the board. Brandon Jones running really good right now. Mike be get uh, his jab in here. As I say, Noah Gregson, if he turns his season around, quits having this uh, horrible luck of not being able to finish one lap, could get right up to, in there. And that's where I think A.J. Allmendinger may possibly even be in danger, him and Daniel Hemrick, of just being – Consistent but not top five and winning every week, uh, so I think those two might be interchangeable there. Uh, even with nigger's two wins, and just to clarify for Tommy, I know you mentioned Ty Gibbs. This did have to pertain with the, what they were looking at this past weekend in the Cup race. The analysts were talking about the championship four already. For whatever reason, it's a way too early to be doing that, but that's what I was kind of feeding off of. Who you think the championship four are going to become? Uh, in the Xfinity series.
0: Okay, Tommy, you're up next.
4: Uh, Add add Daniel Hemrick uh, in place of Ty Gibbs because I know that Ty's not full-time. But if Ty was full-time, he would be in the top four for sure.
0: Okay. Um, and I'm I thought I was looking at the points and I watched them, so I'm gonna kind of revise mine as well. Uh Austin Sindrick, A. J. Almendinger, Daniel Hemrick, and then um Algauer's got the two wins, so yeah, I can see where you put him into that list uh of uh who the top four might be. Um uh, it's kind of tough because if you look at the recent results, yeah, I guess Justin Algauer would have to be the other driver um, when when I think about it from that perspective. Uh, he's got the two wins. He's seventh in the series point standings. Uh, I kind of was toying with the idea of going with uh, Harrison or Jeb Burton uh, because they've been running so well. Uh, especially Jeb, I think, has been running very well. Uh, And he just might – he's got to win, so he's going to be in the playoffs. Uh, It's not going to surprise me if he he doesn't get in there too. But I think Justin Algauer gets the edge on it because uh, of his experience. Uh, This is Jeb's first full-time year in the Xfinity Series. He's doing great, uh, but is he going to be playoff ready? uh with the experience that Algar has i think he has the edge. So Jay your final thoughts.
1: That and that's kind of where where i went with with Algar is is like you said that experience level he has been here before uh not always necessarily capitalized on it but Almendinger, this is his first uh full time year and r- solidly running for a championship. Uh, So I think there too, he has kind of been a, have those great races, especially when it comes to road courses, but we know he can win on more than that, but keeping it consistent. Now he has throughout the year. So that's why I said, I I kind of put him in the third spot. Um, Daniel Hemrick is the one I gave the edge to as far as doesn't have the win or been winning that. And we've seen this in the past. And unfortunately I think he's come in second in the points standings as well. Uh, We saw his cup level uh, experience, same thing. He can run up there, just doesn't ever get that win, but is finishing top five. So we've got to be in the championship battle. Uh, winning it, I do think you're going to have to win. And, you know, we've been waiting for that, even this year with him with Joe Gibbs Racing. It's a knocking on that door. I don't know how much harder you can knock before your hand hurts, but uh, he's certainly <laughs> knocking on the door extremely hard.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay, um, we're at about 9.15 now. I'm not sure if we have time for another one, but Jay, do you have another one in your pocket?
1: No, that was that was one to at least extend us so we were closer. I know we've been, uh, with the 10 o'clock time frame, either getting bumped off for whatever the reason, so I just wanted to get us a little bit closer to that 10 o'clock mark before we started our roundtable, so I thought I'd throw that one out there. <laughs> okay.
0: Well let's go ahead and do our round table and Tommy we'll start with you. Uh
4: you can follow me on Twitter, NASCAR uh fan since uh ninety five. NASCAR fan ninety five and um I am not currently working on anything. I guess you can say I'm in the brainstorming stages of something lingering out there. Uh, personal life's a little bit crazy right now. I might be moving here in a month from Raleigh to Nashville, so things are chaotic when I'm not uh, watching races uh, or at work.
1: Sounds busy. <laughs> okay, Jane. Well, Tommy, did you say you were possibly moving to Nashville,
4: North Carolina, not not Tennessee?
1: Oh, okay. I I was going to say, I'd be like, we're going to be neighbors. That's only what three, three and a half hours uh, from me. But um, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ eight on Twitter and Instagram. And I say that with the uh, belief that I've got everything I can uploaded now onto my phone. So that issue has kind of consumed a majority of my week. I know Sharon, I told you I'd have the Michael McDowell ready for you by the end of the week. I'm hoping still to maybe through the weekend. Um, I didn't get a chance to work on it as I was dealing with this phone, but that is still uh, forthcoming. I'm just not ready to send it to you yet for editing.
0: Okay. And uh, I am Vampirizing Sites on Twitter and Vampirizing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including our website, Uh We are... uh, Definitely uh, looking forward to the racing weekend. Uh, We'll have the recaps up there. I know we've got uh, Sam's recap from last week, and uh, I'm sure he'll do a recap of the Open and the All-Star Race, so you can watch for that. Uh, I do have an article pending from uh, Owen, uh, so hopefully we'll get that real soon and I can... uh, Get that up for everybody to read. I'm looking forward to reading it and um I think that's all we have in the pipeline right now uh I know Andy's been real busy with work, and I know uh same is too with uh Mike, which is why he was not on here tonight, but uh uh as soon as things settle down, I'm sure both of those guys will have something uh to submit as well. So, uh, with that, a big shout out to our listeners. Uh, we always appreciate the fact that you tune in to hear what we have to say, and uh, we appreciate your continued support uh, and to our fancy racing crew, Both Tommy and Jay are here tonight, so uh Tommy, I'll just do a, a blanket thank you to you uh, for being game to come on hot topics sometimes with uh limited notice uh. For the segment But we really appreciate you uh, Being here when you're able to be here And Jay To you for all that you do For the Fan Racing Fantasy Group As well as for the radio show And the articles that you submit I know you're working on that Michael McDowell article Uh, We appreciate all that you Contribute as well
1: Well, and as soon as we get done here, I will get that all updated. I know I've been uh, jumping back and forth. I'll get them loaded into our uh, spreadsheet there And the points uh, we gave the update on. That I had accurate and ready to go uh, prior to my phone really completely blowing up. So, like I said, I think I got everything set and we'll be back to normal. Kind of like COVID, as normal as can get, right?
0: Exactly right. Okay, so... um... Uh, again, I think uh, we're looking forward to the all-star race in the open this weekend, a little bit different format. So I'm kind of anxious to see how that plays out. And uh, I'm also happy that uh, we're going to get a chance to see the Arco East race again this weekend at uh, Southern National. But keep in mind, this is a packed-in weekend of racing. Um, in addition to the uh, trucks, Xfinity, uh also racing at Texas along with the Cup Series. Uh, we have the ARCA East at Center National, but you've got the NHRA racing at New England this weekend. You've got the F1 in Canada. You've got uh, the SRX. Their first race is this weekend at Stafford Motor Speedway, so fans are definitely going to want to tune in for that. And IndyCar has a doubleheader this weekend at Bell Island, or uh, Bell Isle, and that is going to be on uh, NBC on both Saturday and Sunday. So there's just a ton of racing available for race fans, uh, whether you're NHRA, F1, uh, IndyCar, NASCAR, or ARCA, uh, there's a race for you this weekend. So uh, a lot for fans to look forward to.
1: Well, Sharon, Sharon if I can throw another one in there, the uh... – Dirt Dream is going on at Eldora. That's four days. Kyle Larson's up there, already won a heat race within that. Kind of interested to see how it plays out if he gets into Saturday night's main event show with the uh, race there at the Cups or is being at Texas. But as of right now, he's running real good.
0: Okay. Uh, Sounds good. I think with that, guys, we might be ready to say good night.
1: All right. Have a good night.
3: (laughs)